if you've been on the spiritual path for a little while, we've all come to know, at least conceptually, that we are an immortal spiritual being. That your true nature is pure essence of this pure awareness, pure consciousness. And that is our main purpose in life, to become established in self and God realization. Now, if you have the thinking or affirming that you're a human being trying to become spiritual, then you need to reverse that thinking. You need to see yourself, acknowledge yourself, and affirm that you are a spiritual being expressing as a human being. Now, Roa Davis would remind us that being on the Kriya Yoga path means living and demonstrating an entire lifestyle. And he would often remind us that we need to have our disciplines and practices as outlined in the Yoga Sutras in order to establish the best condition and environment for us to spiritually unfold. He would remind us that first, nurture your body. Eat a good nutritional diet, exercise, and then rest the body. And the resting includes making sure that you get a deep state of sleep where the body is refreshed and healed during the night. Exercise the body and honor the body. It is your temple. Roy also would remind us to control our thinking and our moods, control the thoughts that we have. And we want to establish our thinking and our moods so that they represent and they express the highest aspects of that which we are. The aspects that are our highest good come from God. And that expression, those higher aspects, are to have compassion, being kind. It is to see that everything is sacred, that everything is spiritual. It is knowing that in the expression of our moods and our thoughts that we should focus on being God aware, that we should focus on those aspects which contribute to enlivening us, to enlightening us, being cheerful, being optimistic, having those qualities that serve the purpose of our unfoldment. We would also say you have to live as a principal person, you know, being moral, being ethical, being honest. And he would also inform us that we should live with intention, that we should live effectively. And living with intention means establishing and knowing what you want to accomplish. 
And if you were with my last workshop last month, I talked about Brother Lawrence who learned a technique of dwelling in God all of the time, perfecting this practice where he thought about God, prayed to God, and God awareness was in his mind and his mood all of the time. And his intention in living was really mundane duties. It wasn't to do anything extraordinary. He was a monk in a monastery, and his duties were to help in the kitchen, help in the uh, shoe shop repair. So even in mundane duties that we have, you know, if you're sitting at home, locked down like we are here in the Bay Area, uh, some of us can work from home, but others aren't. And so we have a lot of free time, but you still have to be active in life. And even if you're doing mundane duties, you can outline what your intentions are to accomplish today. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to prepare nutritional meals. I'm going to work in the garden. I'm going to take a walk. So even if you're caught up in the mundane duties of your life, you can do it with intention. So live effectively and with intention. This helps build our disciplines and actually creates the environment where when we sit down to meditate, the mind is more calm and the body, you're not concerned with worries and issues of what is confronting your, your thoughts by thoughts that aren't accurate, the perceptions that aren't true about who you are. And of course, Roy Davis would always remind us to study the nature of consciousness, pick up one of Roy's books, read the Yoga Sutras and his commentaries. They're always insightful and always provide information. And the more you study and the more you meditate, the more revelations you get, the deeper understanding that is attained through this. And of course, meditating on a regular basis. Meditation is the key to going within and discovering our deeper meaning. Surrendering to God on a regular basis and on an ongoing basis, and this just means letting go of those concepts, those beliefs, those identifications that have us caught up in life and that are mistaken in that we then misidentify what we are and who we are. So you have to surrender to God. Just let go of those ideas and those concepts and allow your true nature to be expressed. Another reminder that Roy Davis would provide that I think is really useful is to be in attunement with a knowledgeable teacher or a guru. Be in attunement. Now, this attunement is allowing you to open up and express or identify with a deeper knowledge, with a deeper meaning and a deeper understanding. When you tune into the teacher or the guru, you're allowing yourself to be open. You're allowing yourself to connect to that true awareness that you are, that pure consciousness that you are. And the connection occurs where you receive 
assistance, help, revelations, insight, wisdom. And so you need to attune yourself to the teacher or the guru. Roy would sometimes tell the story about Yogananda encouraging him and the other disciples to be in attunement with Yogananda. And Yogananda would say, if you're not in attunement with me, then it's like static in the radio and the reception isn't as clear. So being in tune will allow you to open up your own awareness to the teachings and to the teacher. And I remember the first time I sensed this, it isn't very dramatic, but I uh, opened up Roy's book, the very first book that I read, it was in January of 1971, and it was entitled, This is Reality. And it was Roy Davis's commentaries on the Yoga Sutras. I think it was his first uh, publication of the Yoga Sutras in his comments. And I read it and I connected with some of it, but I really didn't have the insight of what depth he was expressing the truth. And a couple of months later, he came to the Bay Area and I went to see him and I attended his weekend workshop and connected with him. Uh, His presence was calming and peaceful and his truth teachings were exactly as he had written in This Is Reality. And I just thought, yeah, this, this, this guy has something to say. So went back and did a little bit more study. And back then in the early days, I'll call them, in the early 1970s and through the late 1970s, he used to come to the Bay Area twice a year. So he came back in September, and I thought, I really need to listen more intently. I really need to hear what he's saying because I reread the book, but I still had a conceptual understanding about consciousness and supreme consciousness, but it wasn't clarified for me. It just wasn't quite as clear as I thought. I even went through and did some studying and made comments about where he was inconsistent. He wasn't inconsistent. I didn't get it. So when he came back in September, I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to really listen with intent to understand this supreme consciousness. And he made his weekend presentation and we were with him again. And it was, you know, very delightful and good information and a little bit of insight. But what I heard that time was not getting my clarification of supreme consciousness, but Roy also included in his presentation a discussion about uh, various enlightened teachers he had met through his travels of lecturing. And he mentioned a few of them in their books. And one author that just stuck with me was the name of Neville. And that's what I took away from my intent listening. And I purchased a book of Neville and I read it. And Neville was an enlightened teacher and he talked about God being this awareness, this consciousness. But his main focus was on creative imagination. And his entire book or two that I bought and I read was expressing how to use this creative imagination 
that in fact, God expresses through your imagination and you are God through your imagination. And he had story upon story and example after example about people who had used creative imagination to bring forth and manifest in their life those things that they wanted. And honestly, some of the examples were, you know, mundane things. They wanted some money. They wanted a healing for their cat. They wanted, but it was just story after story. Now, it was very interesting, but the takeaway for me was after I read his book and understood the imagination and the consciousness process, I reread Roy's book and attended another workshop, and it became more clear about what he was teaching. So being in tune with the teacher may not bring you the direct results, but they do bring you results ultimately. And if you stick to the attunement and you stick to your disciplines, with time, the revelations, the insights, the experience begins to occur. So stay in attunement. It gives you just rewards that you can't imagine. And keep with your disciplines because the unfoldment occurs. Now, another recommendation Roy made was to always be with um, like-minded people to the degree that you can. Hang out, associate with like-minded people. And as we think about this, it's rather practical. It's much nicer to be with people who are optimistic and cheerful and open-minded and can share. And it's even nicer to be able to associate with people who are on the spiritual path. They have a deeper understanding about the meaning of life. They have more tolerances for the changes that occur, the different perspectives we can share. And they're uplifting. You get on a... um, association with them that the relationship is more open and is shared at a different deeper level and in this regard uh again in the early days in the early 70s and and through the late 70s really roy also recommended that you spend time with enlightened teachers that you know just go with them for the darshan for the blessing for their consciousness that's clear and see, just sit with them and be with them and listen to them and um, open up to the lessons that an enlightened teacher has. So with this in mind, when Roy would come to the Bay Area, there were a number of enlightened yogis that were coming from India and that would establish centers here. They established centers throughout the United States but there were several of them who established themselves here locally. And Roy would set up a time to go meet with them, and then he would take a group of disciples with him. And I remember on one occasion, we went to see Swami Muktananda. And Swami Muktananda was known as the Shaktiput guru. That means he worked with the Kundalini. He encouraged disciples to stimulate their dormant energy there and have the energy rise up the spine. So that was his his kind of focus. He also um, certainly taught the basic truth teachings. He would say, 
God dwells within you. Honor yourself and see God in everybody. So that was his, his focus. And another kind of unique characteristic he had too, I recall, was he would have this wand of uh, peacock feathers and he would just kind of pat you on the head as a, as a way of a, giving you a blessing. So he was um, delightful to see and more delightful to spend time with Roy and Muktanand at the same time. We also one time went with Roy when he structured a meeting with Ramurti Mishra. And he was located in San Francisco and we drove up. And Mishra was a, um, a real scholar. He was a Sanskrit master. He would take uh, different yoga philosophies in Sanskrit and interpret them into the English language. And he was uh, quite, quite a prolific writer. So he wrote a number of uh, books on yoga philosophy. And his main message was meditation and self-realization. So these were all enlightened individuals that we got to spend a little bit of time together with Roy Davis, and that's a treat. Another enlightened yogi we went to see was uh, Baba Haridas. And he had a uh, center up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And he was a unique individual in that at the age of 30, Haridas decided to take a vow of silence. And he said, I'm going to be in silence for a period of 12 years. And at the end of the 12 years, he said it was so beneficial, he thought he would just extend the time for his (laughs) vow of silence and extended it until the time of his death. So he was silent for over 60 years with no talking. And when we went to see him with Roy, he would write on a little chalkboard. And so he was very concise, but the message was very direct and very clear. And his kind of main message, if you will, was meditate every day, work honestly, meet people without fear, and play. So he liked to do a lot of playful things, and he was a real interesting Um, yogi to be with and and for Roy to share the time with. So those were all good, great opportunities. And Roy would demonstrate and give us opportunities to experience what he talked about. So it was a wonderful time. Uh, Roy would also recommend to us that we uh, not only learn the difference of our um, real nature and the observing what we actually see and what we actually act out as. Learn the difference so that you know you're established in your pure essence and you're functioning with that energy and doing the various activities, but you're being the witness. You're not being the, the, the actual person who drives it. You're allowing God to express through you and drive your activities. Now about the only thing you can control are your own thoughts, your own moods, your imagination. So those are the things that you are in charge and you're responsible for. And I'd like to do a little reading from Lahiri Mahasaya about this because I think he expresses it beautifully. 
And Lahiri says, understand relationships between your subjective states and your objective circumstances. Feelings and thoughts are subjective. What you observe outside of yourself is the objective world. Each person is responsible for their inner life. The inner life is the creation of thoughts, of feelings, of ideas, and of desires. The quality of these inner subjective powers determines the nature of your inner life. It has a profound effect upon your outer life. So here, in essence, what Lahiri is saying is that we have our inner states, our inner life, which is comprised of our thoughts, of our ideas, of our imagination, of our desires, and those we have a responsibility for. We have a duty to make sure that we're controlling those to represent and to express the highest aspects that we are. We need to make sure that we're optimistic, that we're cheerful, that we're compassionate, that we're kind, that we see the world as representing the divinity in us, the God, the pure consciousness that we are. And it's all positive aspects and attributes. And we need to control those so that we are thinking of those highest aspects and that we're feeling optimistic and cheerful and positive and that we're expressing that as we move into action in our outward life. That's, that's the key and that's the only thing we can control. So we focus on ourselves, we work on ourselves, we improve ourselves to express that which we really are. And so he goes on to say, uh, Lahiri goes on to say that the quality of these inner or subjective states, our inner life, is our responsibility and it comprises the nature of our inner life. So that if you're not thinking along the positive lines and the higher aspects, then the quality of your life is diminished and it's constrained and it's restricted by the way you think and the way you create and the way you believe. And then he goes on and finishes and say, this has a profound effect upon your outer life. And I think if we all step back and we're honest, we can see that the way we think and the way we hold the beliefs and the concepts about who we are and what we are and how we think expresses in our outer life. If you look at your own life and if you've got any issues, you need to step back and think, well, what, how am I holding that? How am I thinking about it? What's my concept and beliefs about how I perceive myself inwardly? And by correcting those, then you begin to express a different sense of self in the outer world. It just goes hand in hand. So our responsibility is to work on ourselves. And we do this by following all the disciplines that are outlined in the Yoga Sutras and that Roy Davis taught us time and time and time again. He would sometimes say, you know, I just 
provide the same information. They tell the same old story over and over. And it just amazes me how if you pay attention and you do the disciplines ever so slowly, it unravels, it unveils, it reveals itself, and you do become transformed. You do become a different person in your perspective, in your understanding, in your insights. And so I would just simply encourage us all to keep working at it, to keep doing our disciplines and practices, to observe those thoughts and those moods. Use your creative imagination to see yourself as self-realized and God-realized right in the moment. And then just see God awareness expressing through you in every action, in everything that you do, even though it may be mundane, it's a spiritual practice and it's a spiritual revelation that unfolds over time. All right. Thank you.